Welcome to Expanding Your Faith with Bishop Gregory Godsey and Father Matthew Schnabel. Expanding Your Faith looks at modern faith and spirituality questions, as well as conducts interviews with movers and shakers in different and varied faith traditions. Our broadcast is brought to you by the hardworking staff at the Office of Communications and Media Relations in the Old Catholic Churches International. Stay tuned as we work on expanding your faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Expanding Your Faith. I'm Bishop Greg. Um, Bishop Ben is off on an emergency call at the hospital, so uh, he will not be joining us tonight, but um, we send our prayers and our thoughts to him as he is working uh, diligently to help others this evening. Um, tonight, uh, as we end Season 4 of our podcast, uh, as you all know, we take a month break um, a couple of times a year uh, in between seasons. And uh, that'll be November, the whole month of November. Um, we will be on uh, break. And we'll come back the first Saturday in December for our uh, new season of Expanding Your Faith. Uh, it's hard to believe that we're putting to bed season four, um, but we are. Uh, kind of good for a podcast everybody thought would be dead in the one season. So uh, <laughs> we've managed to make a good run of it. Uh, and just so you know, uh, we've had uh, well over a thousand uh, listens to our podcast since its inception. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty good run considering. Uh, so I'm quite pleased with that and uh, happy to be here Um and continuing to do this. Tonight uh, we're doing QA with uh, Bishop. Uh, so our studio audience, which is of course on TikTok and you now, uh, get a chance to ask me any question they want. They can go ahead and start typing their questions in uh, to the chat window and I will answer them as they come through. As always, respectful questions only. Uh, but it can be about any topic um, that you think uh, is something you'd like to know or something that has puzzled or confused you or um, you know just something random it doesn't really matter uh, as long as it's respectful and we'll start the night off with Fred who says do people who go to a traditional seminary get a better education than those who do a home study program I tend to believe that um, the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no. It kind of depends on the seminary they go to. Some seminaries do a much better job of educating uh, potential clergy um, than others. Uh, some seminaries, of course, uh, focus more on uh, theology and um, those people that are, are those uh, things like uh, Greek and Hebrew and Latin and uh, a lot less on how to run a parish, a lot less on how to deal with day-to-day -day things that come up in a parish, how to counsel people, how to work with people. Uh, and I think that that kind of then they're ill-prepared when they come out of seminary to actually do the work of parish work. Uh, whereas home study programs tend to do a little bit better uh, um, a little bit better when it comes to uh, teaching potential clergy 
how to function in a parish, in a church. Uh, so I, that's kind of my answer. It's, it kind of depends on the seminary. I prefer home study programs only because they tend to be a little more focused on how to do ministry and less on all of the uh, stuff that would make you more academic. Uh, I guess for some seminaries the idea is train them to be academic so that they can teach, uh, whereas um, uh, some home study programs are more about let's make them pastors. Does that make sense, Fred? Um, so there you go. Um, let's see. Rick says, What should I say to brothers and sisters who point fingers at those sinners, that's in quotes, sinners, uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, community. Well, uh, I would say what um, would be uh, uh, most important to say to them is that um, number one, it's not a sin. Number two, Jesus spent more time um, uh, Jesus spent more time discussing uh, people who were hypocritical, pointing out other people's sins while ignoring their own. And um, um, more time explaining how we should love people regardless of whether or not we believe them to be in sin or not. In fact, this Sunday's readings are a good indication of that in our church um, because the reading from the Book of Wisdom uh, clearly says God overlooks sin in an effort to love people so that they would repent out of love um, versus condemning them and beating them over the head. Well, if God loves them uh, even in their sin and refuses to condemn them, he overlooks their sins in order to love them, then why do we as human beings have a problem with that? So that's what I would say to them, Rick. That's a good question. Thank you. Um, Fred says, the word sin is overused. What sins are actually in the Bible versus made up ones we call sins? Yes. So many uh, times people make up what a sin is, and it's actually not biblically based. It's more based in their own baggage, in their own biases. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's that's a good point, Fred. That's a good point. Um, like I said, if you have a question you'd like to ask, you can type it there in the window, and we'll get to it uh, as quickly as we can. Um, we do uh, it this way for a reason. Uh, I'm not going to get into fights with people. That's why we have them type their uh, questions in the window rather than bringing them up to vocally ask the questions because uh, we're not going to fight for dominance to answer questions. So <laughs> um, uh, Blake says, um, advice for people dealing with religious trauma. Um, that's a good question. Um, 
My advice for those dealing with religious trauma is, first of all, seek out a therapist who is well-versed in religious trauma. Um, something that uh, um, a lot of people don't realize is the DSM-5, which is the newest uh, diagnostics and statistics uh, manual for psychiatric uh, disorders actually lists religious trauma as a psychiatric disorder. Uh, it's become so common and so prevalent that it is now listed as a psychological disorder. Um, so I would seek out a therapist who can help with some of that. And the other thing I would say is don't allow anyone to force you into doing something or being something that you don't feel comfortable with. Um, after all, they're not the ones that have to stand before God, it's you. It's you that has to stand before God and answer for yourself. Just like they have to stand before God and answer for themselves. So, um, it's not their responsibility. It is not on them to judge you or to make you feel any certain way about your religious walk or your religious uh, practice. Um, so, don't let them have that power over you. That's a good question, Blake. Um, as a bishop, uh, Fred says, what do you think of the deconstruction movement? <clears throat> I think the deconstruction movement is excellent. Uh, I, I hate the term deconstruction, but I think the movement as a whole um, is an important thing. Um, a lot of people misunderstand deconstruction. Deconstruction is more about deconstructing religi religiosity uh, and building an authentic spiritual life than um, it is about anything. It's about getting back to the authentic roots of faith and spirituality. Um, it's important that we understand when you talk about religion, okay, when you talk about religion, you're talking about a faith practice. When you talk about spirituality and faith, you're talking about a direct uh, relationship with the divine, with God. So, yeah, there's a good uh, point to uh, the deconstruction movement, and that is getting back to that authentic relationship with God without all the trapping of, of religion to block our path. And I think to some degree, uh, a lot of us um, uh, are doing just that. We are working to get back to um, spirituality. Um, and while we do hold on to some of the religious trappings, um, we um, are not doing it to a point that um, it blocks that pathway to the divine. That makes sense. Uh, why wouldn't we, uh, GA boy asks, why wouldn't we call on the name of Jesus for healing respect, respectively? Um... I don't know very many people who don't call on Jesus' name for healing. Um, but we also believe in science. 
which means antibiotics and surgeries and medicine. Uh, but okay. Rick says, if the College of Cardinals calls a meeting, can the old Catholic bishops go? Or are we invited? Not typically. Uh, no one outside the Roman Catholic Church are invited to a College of Cardinals meeting. So the other 38 Catholic churches that exist outside of Rome uh, are excluded. So their College of Cardinal meetings are only for the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, plain ask, is there anyone who can't be saved I, or forgiven, i.e. confessional? <clears throat> um, if you were to ask all of the different Catholic denominations out there, that same question, you would get 38 or 39, uh, if you count Rome, different answers. <laughs> um, from my perspective as an old Catholic, no. There is no one who cannot be forgiven or saved. Um, everyone can receive grace. Everyone can be forgiven. I think our readings this Sunday, again, prove that with Zacchaeus. Um, you know, Zacchaeus was called down out of the tree. Jesus says, I want to go have dinner with you. The people around Jesus were like, why would you go have dinner with a sinner like him? He's not worthy of you. And Jesus says, this is who I was called to save. This is who I was called to come to. And Zacchaeus changed his whole way of life, repented and became a different person just because Jesus showed him love. And love and forgiveness to me go hand in hand. If you're not willing to forgive someone, you're not willing to love them. You know, and so um, uh, my answer is I believe everyone can be saved or forgiven. Um, period. Yeah. That's a good question, Plain. Thank you. Some good questions tonight from our audience on YouNow and TikTok. <clears throat> uh, as always, if you'd like to join us for um, these podcast recordings, you can do so on uh, TikTok.com uh, uh, at Bishop Gregory G or on YouNow at YouNow.com forward slash Bishop Greg and be part of our studio audience uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time every Saturday that we record them. Again, we're taking off the month of November, so we'll be back the first Sunday of December for new recordings of the new season of our podcast, so just keep that in mind as well. Uh, and let's see, uh, Blake has another question. Uh, why so many denominations? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, there are so many denominations because of man's arrogance, man's fallibility. Um, you know, people get upset, get angry with the way things are going in a church or a denomination. They decide to split off and create their own. Um... Uh, for example, I'm reminded of the, just on local level, church splittings, which is the same dynamic that happens within denominations, between two Baptist churches in my hometown. One 
group, uh, they were all one church at one point, First Baptist Church, and they decided they wanted to redo the carpet in the sanctuary. The carpet had always been red, and they decided they wanted to change it to blue. And half the church left to go start their own church so they could have red carpet in it. Uh, the same is true within denominations. Those types of things happen just because of human nature. If someone decides that they don't like something in the denomination, they go start their own. Uh, Plain says, what is the most moving moment you've had in your time as a pastor? Wow. I've had a lot. Um, I have to think to one specific one. <laughs> um, I think the one that comes to mind immediately is uh, about four or five years ago. It's pre-COVID. And um, my daughter and I were at the church uh, getting things ready for Good Friday services. Uh, now, for those that don't know, uh, Good Friday service in a liturgical church and a Catholic church is a very somber affair. Okay? Um, you remove the Blessed Sacrament out of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is empty. All the candles are gone, all the statues are gone, everything that can't be removed is covered, uh, like the crucifix and the church is covered, and the altar is bare, there are no flowers, there are no decorations in the church. It's just completely hollow and bare. It's like walking into a warehouse room with pews in it, okay? It's just, it's just that bare. And it feels so lifeless in the church. Which is the whole point of Good Friday service, is to feel lifeless. You're remembering Jesus' death on the cross. And this gentleman came up the steps of the church, and he came in, and he smelt of alcohol. He had been living on the streets. He was a homeless guy. And he came in, and he just, he said, I just need something to eat. We didn't have any food in the church with us at the time. And so I said, well, you know, I've got a few dollars on me I can give you. That's all I had on me was a few dollars. And I said, I wish I had more, but that's that's what I have. I said, if you want to stick around a little bit, I mean, we got services in a few minutes, but, you know, I'm happy to take you down the street, get you something to eat at, you know, one of the restaurants or whatever. And he, oh, I don't want to impose. So... He started to cry, and I, I had him sit down in the pew, and we started talking, and he told me about how he was an Iraq War veteran, and he had just come back, um, you know, a few years back, and it was last tour, and he was so mentally messed up from his time in the war that um, he just, his family didn't want him around. They just couldn't deal with his mental health issues anymore. And so they threw him out. He was living on the streets and uh, trying to survive day to day and everything. And I listened to him and we talked. And uh, He seemed to be feeling better. He got up to leave. He said, I don't want to impose. I said, you, know, you can sit here if you want through the service. It's, you know, it's not going to bother me. And... Uh, 
I, I'd given him the money I had on me, and I said, uh, is there anything else I can do for you? I mean, is there anything else you need? I mean, and he says, well, I, I, one thing, and I said, what's that? And he says, can I have a hug? And I gave him a hug standing there, and he just cried. He just wept. He had not had anyone, and he told me he had not had anyone, you know, give him a hug, treat him like a human being in years, in years. And so he went ahead and started out the door and, and down the stairs. And where we were meeting, there was, I mean, you could see both ways for a very long time. I mean, good half a mile to three-quarters of a mile each direction. He got down the sidewalk and started to walk down the street. My daughter came to me and she says, I have this $5 bill I want to give him. Uh, I had in my wallet. I said, well, go catch him real quick. So we run out the front door. She goes down on the sidewalk, looks both ways for him. And he's nowhere to be found. Cannot find him. Anywhere. And I preached a sermon that night for Good Friday. I threw out the sermon I was going to preach. I preached on how Jesus had come to visit us that night before services in the form of this homeless young veteran. And, and that was a very touching moment for me um, in ministry. So, yeah. It's a good question, uh, Plain. Thank you. Um, good question indeed. Um, for those just joining us, we're uh, on our podcast tonight. Uh, questions with Bishop uh, G is tonight's topic, uh, QA with Bishop G. So if you have any questions, feel free to type them there in the window. And uh, we'll be happy to get to them as quickly as we can. Our moderators are doing a great job tonight helping filter through questions and keep us on track and everything. Um, and so I appreciate that um, a lot. Um, Blake has another question. What does it mean to interpret Scripture faithfully? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think um, the, the answer to that is interpreting Scripture faithfully means that we take into uh, account not just what the verse is saying, but the context of the verse, the history of the verse, uh, the history of what was going on at that time. Um, I think it's very important that we also peel back the layers of what is the verse saying, what is it saying to you, you know, because each bit of scripture is not just about specific times and places, that's part of it, but part of it is what does it say to you today, how does it speak to you today. So I think that that's important too to look at is uh, what is that scripture verse saying to you today. So part of what it means by interpreting scripture faithfully is that context, history, what is it saying in its literal meaning and what is it saying to you personally to get the full feel of what scripture is about and to interpret it faithfully. That's a good question, Blake. Thank you. 
Plain says, um, are religious beliefs based on truths? Um, something you have to understand about scripture. Let, let me back up to that first and then I'll answer your question more specifically. Scripture was written by uh, a bunch of people with an Eastern mindset. When I say that, I say these were typically nomadic tribes, Bedouins, um, living in the Middle Eastern lands uh, during a specific time in history. Okay, we cannot deny that, and we cannot ignore that. Okay, for them, <clears throat> writing about um, these events, say Noah's flood or the seven-day creation story, or you know these types of things, were it was not important to them that the story be factually true. Okay. We as Americans, we as Westerners, we as Europeans, for us, um, the idea is if the story is not factually true, then it's not important and it holds no meaning and it's to be ignored. To some degree, that's a relatively new invention in our mindset. It's not always been that way because we accepted things like Aesop's fables as stories to teach us a, a lesson, right? You know, the tortoise and the hare. I know all of you have heard about tortoise and the hare. You know, um, slow and steady wins the race. I mean, that's essentially the, the thing about it is, you know, you can take off and you can work hard and burn yourself out before you cross the finish line, or you can take your time and, and make it across the finish line and probably win because you paced yourself. We used to take those kind of stories as important. We don't anymore. We kind of ignore them. Well, that's not factually true. There wasn't a tortoise and there wasn't a hare that were racing. Okay. So it doesn't have any benefit to us. Well, the scripture is the same way. They're, they're based on that same idea. It didn't matter whether it factually happened that way or that it happened at all. But this story was meant to convey a message, uh, a truth, deeper truth than whether the story was actually factual. So, keeping that in mind, are religious beliefs based on truths? Yes. Are those truths the literal story? No. It is not important whether or not Noah actually existed, whether there was a worldwide flood that wiped out all of humanity. The point of the story was two things. One, that God had gotten tired of humanity's evilness, their wickedness. But in his mercy, he was willing to save those that were willing to listen, willing to be obedient, willing to love their neighbor, willing to help others, and that it's those type of people that tend to save the rest of humanity from themselves, essentially. So that fundamental truth is important whether the story is real or not. 
that fundamental truth remains. So my answer in all of that is yes, religious beliefs tend to be based on a truth. It's a good question, Plain. Thank you. <clears throat> Rick asks, um, do you have Eucharistic ministers or extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist and deacons? Yes. We do in our denomination. Old Catholics do utilize Eucharistic ministers uh, and deacons quite frequently. In fact, deacons are the backbone of, of many old Catholic churches um, because part of their work is to help with outreach and helping others and being a servant to the servants of God and to the people of God. Um, and so deacons are kind of the backbone of, of many of our uh, churches. So uh, that's a great question, Rick. Thank you. Uh, you can type your questions in the window there. Again, it's QA Night with Bishop G uh, here on our podcast, Expanding Your Faith. Um, and you can type your questions there in the window if you'd like, and I will answer them as quickly as I can. Um, Blake has a question. Uh, thoughts on street preachers? Ooh. <laughs> Somebody asked me before the podcast started, is there anywhere you wouldn't preach? And my, my answer was the bathroom. Um, uh, I think that might be another place I might not preach is on the street corner. Um, there's a certain amount of... Uh, I got to tell you a drink. A certain amount of ego and arrogance that go into being a street preacher... Um, most all of them I have met are very narcissistic individuals. They're very much look at me, see me, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so I, I tend to think, no, that's not something I would do. Um, because it's... Ministering the gospel, being a preacher, being a pastor, being a priest, should not be about me. It should be about the message. The good news that God loves everyone. The good news that we should be out there loving our neighbors ourselves. Our gay neighbor, our black neighbor, our Asian neighbor, our um, divorce neighbor, our, you know doesn't matter who, but all people. We should be loving all people. Too often, street preachers tend to be these hellfire and damnation type preachers who want to stand and preach, everybody's going to hell unless you do what I tell you to do and live your life the way I tell you to live it. And if you waver from that, you're going to hell, period. End of discussion. That is not the right message. That is not the message of the Bible. And I find that, believe it or not, more people are turned away from faith by those type of street preachers than actually come to faith. Um, there was a, a lady and her husband that used to sit up at the corner of our street up here. It's a major thoroughfare and through town. And they would sit at the bench on the corner of the street, at the intersection. And they would hold signs, you know, Jesus loves you, and you 
know, that kind of stuff. Halloween, uh, before COVID hit, Halloween, they were up there. She was dressed as an angel. He was dressed as Satan. He was actually dressed as Darth Maul, but it was meant to be Satan. And, um, you know, with signs, repent or you're going to hell, stuff like that. And I looked at my daughter and I said, I wonder if they realize just how many people they are turning away from the faith. Because they look at that and they go, I don't want to be like that. It literally turns them away from God. So I don't have a very high opinion of street preachers uh, for that reason. Um, so there you go. I hope that answered your question, Blake. Uh, anybody else has any questions, just type them there in the window. And I'll get to them as quickly as I can. Um, should people have the choice to be baptized versus automatically done as infants? That's from Blake. I much prefer the idea of, of waiting until a child is old enough to make a decision. But I also have baptized many infants in my time. Um, I think that at least within uh, liturgical faith, uh, baptism is one step towards inclusion in the church. Confirmation is the second step. And confirmation happens as a teenager or a, a young adult when they can make a decision for themselves to say, yes, I still want to be a part of this faith. Uh, so we kind of view baptism and confirmation a little differently than most in the old Catholic Church. So baptism is like the placeholder, putting your foot in the door just until you can make up your own mind. And then at confirmation, you decide whether or not you want to continue in that faith practice. Uh, I know for a lot of churches, baptism is a one-time-seals-the-deal type thing. Um, and for people that view it that way, I would much rather prefer that they wait until the child's old enough to make their own decision. Um, that's just me. It's my own personal view on it. So. Hello to everyone just joining us. We're recording our podcast, Expanding Your Faith, tonight. Uh, tonight's topic is questions with Bishop G. You can ask any respectful question you want. Just type it in the window there and I will answer it as quickly as I can. It can be anything. Uh, any question you have that just floats off the top of your head, as long as it's respectful. And I will answer it as quickly as I can. Let's see. Uh, that was all of Blake's uh, questions. So, <laughs> so we already did the uh, deconstruction question a moment ago. Uh, I don't mean, know what you mean, Blake. Blake says, was very scripted and not one kid questioned a thing. Oh, uh, confirmation. Was very scripted and not one kid questioned a thing or baptism. If anybody has any questions, they can type them in the window there and I will answer. Confirmation. 
sadly a lot of confirmation classes um, people are kids are just kind of going along with it because their parents wanted them to I wish confirmation classes were done more along the line of you know do you want to do this do you have questions about your faith what do you want to know how do you want to proceed you know that kind of thing versus a one-size-fits-all thing which is you know how we do confirmation in the old Catholic Church is that we um, we do it as a kind of a learning thing you know they have to come to us and ask for classes on confirmation and then we um, uh, once they do we kind of do it as a okay this is what our faith is do you still want to do this you still want to be part of you know uh, the faith and um, you know so they can at any time back out and or decide that they want to continue or you know whatever they want to do and I think that's a much more wholesome way of doing things so yeah yeah that's a good that's a good that's a good point Blake thank you um, any other questions from our studio audience uh, tonight? Um, Plain says, is it strange that I can't sit through a church service without being extremely emotional? Um, emotional how so? Um, I guess is my first question. Angry or um, uh, sad? happy I mean what kind of emotion are we talking about playing you break down so tears and crying I've known a lot of people that tend to do that um, I think that that's because of their deep emotional connection with the divine with God and they feel very fully the um, act of coming before God coming before the divine um, so no I don't think it's strange I've known priests that are that way um, for those that are Catholic um, especially Roman Catholic um, priests used to wear what's called a maniple it's a broad piece of cloth that hung off their arm and the whole point of the maniple was to wipe the tears away during mass because some priests would become so overwhelmed with emotion during the celebration of the mass that they would start crying and so the maniple was to wipe the tears from their eyes during mass and that was the whole point of that vestment um, I think so many clergy today are disconnected from that feeling of connection with the divine that uh, they have almost no emotion when celebrating mass and that's kind of sad but no I don't think that that's a strange thing at all plain I think that's very normal very very normal uh, any other questions um, happy to answer any or all of your questions tonight
I'm not going to leave a lot of pause room here. Uh, we should certainly return to that connection. Absolutely, Rick. Absolutely. And that's part of that development of a... Uh, kind of brings us full circle back to deconstruction. Uh, uh, making that connection with spirituality rather than just religion. Um, and I think you can have a connection to both. But the spirituality should always outweigh the religion. Uh, a connection to God is more important than a connection to religion. So uh, we should all be working, working on deepening our relationship with God. Absolutely. You're welcome, Plain. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks, on that note, uh, we've uh, gone a little longer than we typically do. Um, gone a little longer than we typically do. Um, so we'll go ahead and call this uh, to a close tonight for the podcast. But um, we'll be back in one month, first Saturday in December, for our next podcast of Expanding Your Faith with the beginning of of season five and we'll be um, starting uh, out the season with a discussion on Advent so I hope you will join us for that the first Saturday in December you can always find us on facebook.com forward slash expanding your faith and during the break feel free to catch up on some of our past episodes of the podcast uh, anchor.fm forward slash expanding dash your dash faith or Spotify, or Apple, or Google Play Store for the podcast. Um, until December, uh, when we once again attempt to expand your faith, keep shining bright, my friends.